Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and coatings industry. Today's guest is Coralie Beatty. She's a business coach and a consultant. So Coralie, thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate you bringing me on. I, I look forward to our conversation. Absolutely. So I was looking at your profile and you had criminology as where you started. What was your thought there? I've always wanted to help people. And I thought, you know, helping the people who needed help the most, which of course, for me at the time was kids. I actually wanted to help kids in the youth criminal justice system. And I really liked the whole world of policing and criminology. It just really intrigued me. And I thought, yeah, that's what I want to do. And that's where I started. And then you went into psychology. That's right. So I majored in psychology at university and ended up minoring with criminology with the plan of working with kids in a psychological aspect, you know, with their their criminal criminal or in that direction background. So that was the beginning of my post-secondary career. How did it lead you into architectural and building sciences? I guess that's the investigation. (laughs) Well, that's true. It is. I did do building envelope uh, assessments and stuff. So that's a good point. The reality is, you know, I was three or four years, I guess it was four years into university, and I was helping somebody do a thesis on psychopathy in youth. And what I recognized in helping that, going through that process is that I, I could not at all identify with these kids. Like it was a world that I just wasn't at all part of. I didn't understand how does this happen? It just, I was young and I was naive and I just thought, oh, I can help anybody. But then when the reality hit, it's just like, I can't identify with these kids. These kids have experienced things that I couldn't even imagine. And that's when the reality of the emotional impact that type of work has, I think on somebody who's doing it professionally. And the reality is I can help, but I'm not really in control of making their lives better. And to me, that was almost, it was, I don't want to say depressing, but it was kind of a downer. Like I, I I didn't want to get into that and have the struggle every day. It's something you can't leave at the office when you're, you know, you have that connection with a kid and you really want to help them, but you're not going to be the difference maker. And Mm. um, that was kind of an eye opener for me. At that point, I was like, well, what else could I do? And that was the point I thought, well, construction has been something I've loved my whole life. Like I remember being six or seven years old and we grew, I grew as growing up in this new subdivision. And back in the early seventies, I guess it was late seventies, they didn't have like security fence or anything like that. So you could have kids just wander onto construction sites. And that's what I used to do, you know, in the evenings or on weekends, I would just go onto these construction sites and I would walk through the the buildings and just hear the echoing sounds of the rough construction and pick up the nails. And I would just wander the sites and I'd, you know, be playing with the damp proofing, which was like just tar back in those days. And I'd pop it and get it all over my skin. You know, it was just something that I really loved in my whole life. I've always helped do building projects and doing things like that. But when I graduated high school in the early nineties, it wasn't really a consideration for me to pursue a construction career. But after four years of university and recognizing that 
that's not what I was going to do. That's when I was just like, well, why don't I? So that's where I uh, turned to technical school and ended up taking uh, building technology. Mm. So you're in high school and you said this, this really isn't the path. I mean, what was going through your mind? Can you explain a little bit behind that? I think that there's shop classes and stuff like that, but it wasn't like it was the boys that took that. There, were, I don't know when I was in high school if there was one girl that took shop class that didn't have to. Like I, you know, we did um, classes, you know, that were prerequisites or that were required. But other than that, like whether it be automotive or woodworking or metal shop, any of those, just those classes that you weren't required to take, there just weren't girls in there. And it wasn't something that I made the connection between the things I love to wander around and do outside. Like I remember my whole life, I always drafted home plans and I always looked at, you know, homes and I always imagined, you know, what would it be like and how would you move in that space? I've always done that, but I never made the connection between the two. And it wasn't until, like I said, after I realized that helping people in the psychological capacity, because the other thing is in those days, coaching wasn't a thing yet. So if you were helping people, it was more in the psychology department as opposed to necessarily the coaching department. Yeah, it was at that point that I decided that construction was something I could pursue. It was great. It was amazing because all of a sudden it's just like, I loved learning. I could go to school. It's like, this stuff is so exciting. You know, what education is actually supposed to be. And for so many years, I never connected the joy of learning with anything like it was like you went to school and you did the things you had to do because this is what you need to do to graduate and then I went to university and I took these courses but there wasn't that passion and then when I started taking the construction courses I was just like oh this is what learning is actually supposed to be about and it was (laughs) it was such an exciting time for sure wonderful now you get a job after that Mm -hmm. in the field what did you learn there you know you were excited when you were learning this stuff and now you're learning in the field on the job What was your experience there? (laughs) What I learned is that you don't learn a lot at school. (laughs) You know, it was the reality was, you know, you're going on a construction site. And even though we did field trips and stuff like that, you don't really know the construction process until you're actually in it. And being a young 20 something going onto a construction site and my role at the time was to do building envelope review. So in other words, if somebody was installing windows, they need to be doing it in accordance with these details. And at the time, these were new, like these were things that was a complete shift in the way people were operating otherwise and what they were used to doing. So having this young 20 something girl come on site and try to talk to men who've been doing it this way for 20 some or 30 some odd years, this is just the way we do it. What do you know? So my, my experience, although wasn't negative, it was a a real eye opener for me. Like I realized that I needed to find a balance between showing that I'm willing to learn and I understand that you have skills that I don't and I need to learn from you. At the same time, you also understand my position, which is we need to start making that shift. So it was a matter of gaining the respect of the people that I was working on site with and also being open to learning because that's really at the end of the day, I needed a whole lot of learning. And how does it work on site? And how do you do this? And asking questions and not being afraid because The thing is, if you don't ask the questions and you pretend to know, they're going to figure that out. But it's also not looking naive, like I have no idea. So it it was a real balance, but it was one that I think I seemed to manage okay. Like I I was able to gain the respect of most of the people that I worked with, at least front facing. 
Yeah. And then yeah. at some point you started a business. How did that come about? Well, my husband was a plumber by trade. And it's interesting because I always, until very recently, and by re- very recently, I mean like the last maybe month or two, I always thought it was my husband that wanted to start his own business. And so I was like, he dragged me into it. And this is what we did. However, just in, like I said, the last month or two, I found this piece of paper where I wrote out all of my goals in 1999. That's before I met my husband. (laughs) And on there, it said I wanted to be a business owner. And I was like, oh, shoot. (laughs) As my husband kept telling me, he's like, I don't think it was me. I'm pretty sure it was you. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. (laughs) Notwithstanding, I find this piece of paper and I'm like, oh, I guess it was me. So yeah, I thought it was my husband. I guess when I, you know, I think back on it, I was like, you know, we should start our own business and, you know, having him be the skill. And I, I was organized. I knew how to manage things. Like I had that skill set and I had a construction background. So I thought between the two of us, you know, he plumber by trade. And, you know, so that goes with along with some building envelope stuff, HVAC kind of things. So we thought, okay, we can just start a business. You have the skill for the technical stuff, and I have the skill for the managing things. How difficult can it be? And so we started. <laughs> so you said, you know, you thought, so what was the difficult part? You know, in the beginning, it was actually really easy. It was easy. It's just like we were in business a couple of years before we hired our first employee. So my husband did most of the work. And then we hired our first employee and it was just like, this is amazing. All of a sudden we're having like all this money come in. My husband wasn't doing all the work. He had a helper and we hired somebody else. And, you know, we were actually making money. And I was like, this is amazing. I had money in the bank to pay the taxes. You know, everything was great. But then you start to grow and you grow. And then it was, I think it was 2007. And so we were, you know, the the economy was doing great and, we decided we were going to build a house and everything was good. And then we were getting employees. And then all of a sudden we're building a house. And we, at that time, we probably had maybe 12 employees and maybe, maybe 10. And all of a sudden we were spread too thin. We were doing too many things. And then 2008 hit and we tore down our house in 2008 before the crash. And then the housing market kind of crashed and we were in the middle of building a house and trying to run a business while our business model was changing because the demand for new construction dropped more people doing renovations. We needed to make a shift. Like there's just so many things that happened and the lack of our organization, as far as systems, processes, procedures, you know, bringing on new employees, having people know what they're supposed to do, all the things that actually have your business run like that well-oiled machine None of those things were in place. And all of a sudden it was like this brick, (laughs) a very large brick was falling fast. So we needed to figure out, you know, what are we going to do? How do we get out of this? And that's when we started exploring, you know, options of, okay, we need help. Where are we going to get it? Because at that time I was still the office person. I was the admin person. I was the manager. I was HR. My husband was the technical. He was doing the scheduling. So it was really just the two of us. So there was a lot of learning that happened in a very short number of years and um, we needed help. And so that's sort of where we started. And when we found our first business coach, it was just such a relief. Like the skies had parted. And the sun shone through. I was just like, oh, 
there is an answer to this. I don't have to figure this out all on my own because I really, like I said, I could do the organization, but just running everything at once, I, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. And that's the reality. I think that's the reality of a lot of people in their construction businesses. You know, they go in there thinking, I have this skill and I just need to do it, you know, and it works for a little bit until it doesn't. <laughs> until it doesn't. <laughs> and at some point, you decided to sell. What was the thought behind that? Yeah, it was, we had several years of building our business, organizing our business, putting, you know, processes and procedures in place, putting our business in a place where we could be removed. We weren't yet. I mean, let's be real. We were not out of our business yet. We were going in that direction. However, where we operate our business, it's in an area where tradespeople can't afford to live here you have to commute here. And we offered $50 an hour and a $2,500 signing bonus. And we were a reputable business to work for. And we didn't get one resume. People did not want to be commuting to where we operate. And it, it was a reality. And my husband was therefore working a lot and it wasn't sustainable for him. I was concerned. I was legitimately concerned about his health. And so we were working a lot. And just one day, you know, we were in our office, 530 in the morning on a Saturday. And he said to me, I don't know if I can do this. I'm like, let's, let's not, because we couldn't get people. We had tried, we already had, we had 18 employees, but the workload was going up. So it, like, we, we were in demand. I mean, everybody, every trade is in demand. <laughs> you know, it's at the time, everybody was in demand. There's a lot of work. And we just couldn't continue to do it without getting additional help. So that's when we looked into our options and we decided to sell was a good option for us at the time. So that's what we did. And that was in 2017 and it was very good timing. It worked out very well for us and it was a changer for sure. Game changer for sure. Yeah. I mean, what happened after you sold your business? Were you happy? Was there a sense of loss? Like what, what emotions did you go through? At first it was like, we could have like a real vacation. It was like, we put our phones down and left them at home and you know, all that, those things that you you work towards. And we were on our way, we were on our way to getting there, but we weren't there yet. And so we were actually able to enjoy our family on vacation for the first time. And in that first six months, we did a lot that we have, you know, our kids at the time were, I think, six, eight, 10, and just about 12. And so they were the perfect age to be doing things with. And so we did, we, you know, we went to Mexico, we went to Disneyland, we went on a ski vacation. So we did things that we just hadn't been able to do ever. So, you know, we did that. And the first six months was wonderful. My husband did start a, you know, consulting and uh, design business. He continued to do that. But I didn't know what was next for me. And I knew that I could do anything. I could do anything. And I think that was part of the challenge. I didn't know if I wanted to, I knew I wanted to help people because that is what I like to do. I mean, that is what I like to do. But, you know, the reason I took psychology and university, I like to help. So I knew that I wanted to do that, but I didn't know in what capacity. So I explored a lot of things, but there were some very dark days. I had heard from friends of mine who had also sold businesses or retired out of their businesses that depression is often what follows selling or getting out of a business. And even being aware that there was potential for that, I still was not prepared for it. 
I could recognize it, but I didn't know how to get out of it because my whole identity was my business for so many years. And I didn't know who I was outside of that busyness and that operating and doing all those things, being a mom. And I also homeschool my kids. So there was all these things that I was doing. Then all of a sudden it was like all changed. And so you kind of go through a little bit of an identity crisis because it's just like, you know, who am I without this? And so it took probably two years of some really difficult times. It was very challenging. It was some dark days. I had some very dark days, just not knowing. And I did some exploration, you know, kind of putting, getting my feet wet in a couple different things. And then, you know, I decided that I was going to hire myself a life coach to help me get the answers, like help me figure this out because I just couldn't dig inside myself. Before I even got to meet with the life coach that I had hired, I realized that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do coaching because it wasn't psychology where you're dealing with the person's past and the trauma. It wasn't that. It was dealing with where you are now and where you want to go and how are we going to get there. And that's what excites me. So originally it was going to be life coaching. And what I, when I started on the path and doing that, what I recognized is that I really missed the business portion of what I did with my business. Cause I really liked that. Like building the business was so satisfying, just seeing things because I am kind of a very structured, organized kind of person, just seeing things fit together and be smooth and, you know, feel good. That's what I liked. And so when I decided to kind of marry those two items, which was, you know, the coaching, but for businesses to help them get their things sorted out, I was like, that's perfect. It was perfect for me because I'd been through it and I did get through it. I saw how it all happens. I know how it goes. And I know from the ugly beginning, or actually the very nice beginning, actually, and then the ugly middle and then the nice ending, you know, I, I could see that path. And I just want to help other people realize what is possible because in those days, it, none of that seems possible. Mm. It, it's been a, a great journey. I've learned so much in so many different ways and it's, it's, it's been great. Definitely. I definitely know that I'm in the right area for me and working with women in construction. It's like my people, you know, and I feel really like I'm really fulfilling my purpose. Yeah. I do feel that and it feels great. Yeah, we'll talk about women in construction, but you talked about preparing. If you had to go now, you know, now you're doing your coaching and coach yourself through the last phase of mm. your business venture, how would you prepare yourself? What would you have done differently knowing what you know now? Well, I think that, you know, we were well on our way to having things in order. I mean, the things that you want to have in order in order to sell your business, of course, is the ability to have your business operate without you. You want to be able to have your systems and your processes in place and whatever happens within your business happens based on those systems you have in place as opposed to the people you have doing them. So I think that I would have focused more on that because even in the end, like I said, my husband was still a large part of the technical end of our business. He wasn't on the tools so much, but certainly providing a lot of technical support for our people. So I think that had I uh, had a little bit more foresight to see that that was what we were going to end up doing, I think that that's what I would have done is just put more of those things in place, strengthen them. And implementation, because implementation, you can have all the processes written that you want, 
But if they're not being implemented in the field, then, you know, they're not really worth the paper they're written on. So I would have probably put more focus on that because, you know, we were sort of in the stage of we had these and we were meeting with our people. We were creating, we were really working on our culture. That's why we were a pretty good place to work for because our culture was number one. Our people were number one. We always provided support for our people in any way. So that I think we had pretty solid, but to support them further in doing their work, I think that that is the place that I would have spent more time in those days. Interesting. You mentioned culture. In what way did you sort of foster that culture of, you know, a good place to work and stuff like that? We genuinely cared about our people, like right from the beginning, even before we had our coaches and all that stuff, right from the beginning, when we hired our first employee, we offered things like sick leave. We offered things like bereavement days. We offered benefits to them. We paid for their medical. We offered things that you don't typically find in the construction industry. And this is back in the early 2000s. And the reason we did that is because we really valued the people that were coming to work for us. So that's where it started. But as we as we grew and we had more employees, we really took the time to figure out what it was that they wanted. Like, where do you want to be? Where do you want your career to go? Do you just want to be a, a plumber on the tools or do you want to be in management? Do you want to do service management? Do you want to do install management? You know, whenever we spoke with our people, we always had the conversation about where they wanted to go, what they wanted their career to look like. And we made a plan to help them get there. And so we did this twice a year. We had what we call performance reviews once a year. We went through, you know, stuff, you know, how are things going for you? Any challenges, yada, yada. We'd go through all that stuff. You know, how are, how's your work going? So we'd go through and find out how they were doing is, are we on track to where you want to be in say five years? Cause we create that five-year plan. And if not, how do we correct? How do we get back on course? So we really took time to invest in our people as far as their career development. And then also as far as just doing what we met with them on a regular basis to support them, to provide whatever we could. We were an you know, open door policy as far as, you know, if you are having any challenges, come see us. We had one employee that was struggling with drugs and alcohol and we did what we could to support him in treatment and we gave him some grace on some of the you know challenges like that was probably the hardest thing that i ever had to do was acknowledging the fact that his perform because he it never affected his performance at work it was that he would not show up or we wouldn't hear from him for days or whatever it was but i knew that he was a really good worker i knew that he was a really good person except for he had this challenge so we really invested in our people and that's I think that that was what our biggest thing that we had going for us because we really did genuinely care. Like just part of our mission was to make our employees' lives better because they worked for us. Yeah, no, yeah. very nice. Now, your your mission or your focus now, at women in construction. Where do you spend the majority of your time? You know, w- with these women, uh, what what do you work on them uh, with, uh, or what what are the what are the things you work on? You know, what's interesting is that there's all you know. Most people lack the processes and procedures and all that stuff. However, with the women that I work with, most of them, the challenges are in confidence and fear. It's not even, you know, it's not even getting to the business stuff because the reality is once you get through the confidence issues and the fear issues, the business stuff kind of, you know, it's easier to tackle. It's easier to take on. It's easier to figure out. But I'm going to say 100% of everybody that I work with confidence and fear are two issues that, we constantly 
are talking about. So even when we are talking about, you know, whether it be a sales process or how they're going to do their marketing, or if it is putting their processes, procedures, or understanding their profit and loss statements, whatever part of their business we're working on, the confidence and fear always, always comes into it. And, um, it doesn't bother me because I love that. I love being able to empower women to own their stuff and recognize and be aware of their strength that they don't give themselves the, the credit for. And I think that when, you know, when I see that, when I see these women and they're like, yeah, that's true. It's like, yes, it is, you know, for them to feel that empowerment in that um, the hope you know, to be able to continue to do what it is that they're working on, that is uh, so much satisfaction for sure. Yeah, for sure. So how do you help someone increase their confidence and reduce their fear? (laughs) Yeah, it's an understanding of the source, because I think when you know that everything that stops you is grounded in some sort of fear, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of, you know, whatever happens to be fear of success, you know, whatever the fear is, it's recognizing it. It's challenging it. You know, is this actually true? Is this actually going to happen? Because, you know, the reality is we, you know, as humans, and this kind of gets into a whole other area, but as humans, you know, we have, we operate from love and fear and the fear, of course, the source of that is primal. And back in the, in the day when it was a fear of dying, that was pretty legitimate. You needed to survive. However, you know, you fast forward to our days now, a lot of our fear It's just about being uncomfortable. And as soon as we can recognize that, and for me, it's all about awareness, because when you can be aware of how your brain's working, how it's processing the information, how it understands about past experiences, you know, when you can understand all these things, it brings you to a level of awareness that you can hear those voices and you're like, ah, I know where that's coming from. I know where that's coming from and I know how to challenge it. And sometimes you don't know how to challenge it. Sometimes it's just like, I hear it. How do I make it go away? You know, so it's not as just as easy as, oh, there it is. And I'll make it go away. (laughs) But the level of awareness, I think, is is key because then you can at least not let it bring you so far down because it can get so discouraging. Yeah, for sure. Now, I know that the fear of uh, failure is very familiar to people, but uh, since you're a psychology expert, (laughs) unpack the fear of success for, for some. You know, it's interesting because I had a conversation with my dad, actually, years ago, right in the midst of our business being successful. And he said to me, he said, Cor, often the the success is more difficult than the failure. (laughs) And I just cried and I cried because it's true. When you get there, it's just like, do I deserve it? Can I hold on to it? Do I know how I got here? And do I know how to maintain it? What if I get to this point and then I can't keep going? Because it's that, it, it's that picture that you present and how do people interpret you know, how I got to where I am and how will people see me if I can't maintain it? And so if you just don't go there, then you don't have to worry about it. it it's such a, it's an interesting thing because absolutely I think success is so much more difficult than failure. Yeah. When you're not, you know, tackling this new venture, what are you doing? Do you have hobbies? I know you have family. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do you, how do you spend your time if you have any? 
Well, there isn't a lot. However, I did decide to take the, the word busy out of my vocabulary. I do not consider myself busy anymore. I do sometimes have a full schedule and I homeschool my kids. So there is a balance of that. However, um, our family is a pretty high priority in our life. And uh, one of the reasons why I homeschool and I do like we do a lot of hiking. We do a lot of outdoor things. We did start now that uh, the fall kind of slash winter is coming around. We got back to the rink. And so I've been skating weekly with my girls. I take them. My son is actually away for school right now, but so he doesn't get to come with us. But my girls and I, we go skating. And so we just get out as much as we can, enjoy nature. So we're not skating on an outdoor rink. We're at an indoor rink. But, you know, hiking is a big part of our the stuff that we do as a family, for sure. Yeah. So when if you were only able to pass on one message to your women in construction or considering construction, what would you tell them? I would tell them that you can do this for all that they have done to get to where they are. They can do so much more. It really does for, I'm going to say all of them come down to their confidence and knowing that they can do it and they don't have to do it alone. They don't have to figure it out on their own because I think that that is, that's really challenging as well. Like I have no idea where to start. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like there's a lot of information out there and there's so much possibility and so much opportunity that I really encourage to believe in themselves, gives themselves grace. Like that, I think that's the biggest thing is they don't acknowledge the journey that they've already been on, all the things that they've already accomplished. Give yourself credit for that. Well, thank you for uh, sharing your story. I'm sure it resonates for women and also men. So thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. I also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes, entrepreneurial tips, and more. See you over there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.